Peace be upon you. In Surah 3, we read about the history of Mary and the Immaculate Conception of Jesus. And it reads, The angel said, O Mary, God has chosen you and has purified you and has chosen you from all the women. O Mary, you shall submit to your Lord and prostrate and bow down with those who bow down. That Mary has selected out of all the women in the human race from the time of Adam to the end of the world, Mary was the one who was selected to bestow this gift that God has given her. And it continues in 345, says the angel said, O Mary, God gives you good news. A word from him whose name is the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary. He'll be prominent in this life and in the hereafter, one of those closest to me. He'll speak to the people from the crib as well as an adult. He'll be one of the righteous. Now you would think Mary would be so enthralled, so overjoyed, that out of all the women she was selected to conceive, Jesus, that he would be such an influential character, both her and him, in this world, that they're markers for the end of the world. Now, how did she react when this news was given to her? Verse when she went through the birth process. In Surah 19, verse 23, says, The birth process came to her by the trunk of a palm tree. She said, I am so ashamed. I wish I were dead before this happened and completely forgotten. Now, who would have thought that this would have been the response from Mary, a righteous woman, that God has bestowed one of the greatest blessings upon and her immediate response during the birth process is, I wish I were dead before this happened and completely forgotten. How often does God bless us with something that we fail to see the value in it? In 2.2.16 says, Fighting may be imposed on you even though you dislike it, but you may dislike something which is good for you, and you may like something which is bad for you. God knows while you do not know. If we believe in God, we trust in God, we worship God alone, we have to understand that Every single thing that happens to us in this world is for our good. Things don't happen to us. Things happen for us. And if we view things under this perspective, we will trust God wholeheartedly and know that these events that take place, this hardship, the adversity, anything we face is for us to draw closer to God, to learn from this, to be blessed by this. But sometimes it's hard to see that. We see another example in Surah 18 about Moses and his teacher. When Moses sought out his teacher, his teacher told him, you can't stand to be with me. How can you stand that which you do not comprehend? And Moses insisted that he take him under his wing, and he did. And what did he do? The first thing this guy did is he goes and he bores a hole in a poor fisherman's boat. And Moses objects, says, why did you do this? And a guy warns him and reminds him, says, look, I told you, you can't stand to be with me. Then they see a young boy, and this guy kills it, kills this child. And Moses again objects. And then at the third instance, they were in a town begging for food, begging for provisions, and no one gave them anything. But they saw a wall about to collapse, and this guy patches the wall, and Moses says, you know, you could ask the wage for that. And it's at that point that the guy says, okay, we have to part company. But he explained to Moses the reason for these three things. He bore a hole in the ship because there was a king coming, confiscating every vessel for his army. And God, knowing that this was a good believer, wanted to make sure that this boat was not confiscated. So he rendered it temporarily defective. So when the king's men come looking for this boat, they say, okay, this one's out of service and he's able to keep it. Now you put yourself in the perspective of that fisherman. You see someone has barred your boat and they put a hole in it. And you're thinking, my God, why did this happen to me? And then immediately, the army comes trying to confiscate boat and they pass your boat. 
and you say, thank God this happened for me. Same thing with the, the, uh, the parents. They will never know the reason they lost their child. But if they trust in God, they would understand that this didn't happen to them. It happened for them. God was blessing them with a good child. One that was going to be righteous, was going to treat them well. And same thing with the, the, uh, uh, the orphans and the wall. Underneath that wall was a treasure that belonged to two orphans. And based on the actions of that society where they wouldn't even give Moses and his teacher any provisions, they wanted to secure that wall. So when it does crumble, the, uh, the orphans are going to be of age and strength where they can claim their treasure. Because needless to say, with the level of uh, greed that that society was portraying towards Moses and his teacher, if that wall collapsed prematurely, they would have confiscated the treasure and the orphans would have had nothing. But this lesson is that everything happens for a good reason. If we trust in God, God does not put anything to waste. But it's hard for us to see that. If we see these things in cross sections, you see Mary, this young child conceiving a child outside of wedlock, you would think, what a catastrophe. How could this happen? Why would God allow this to happen? Not realizing what a blessing this was for her and future generations. One of the extreme examples of this is Job. Now, we don't have much information in the Quran about Job other than the fact that he went through extreme hardship. But the Bible has an entire book to the story of Job. And what we see is that when Job was afflicted, his immediate response was that he wished he was dead. But I want to read this to convey just how detailed he was in the sense of hoping that he just never existed. In Job chapter 3, verse 2, it says, He said, May the day I was born be wiped out. May the night be wiped away. When the people said, A boy is born. May the day turn into darkness. May God in heaven not care about it. May no light shine on it. May gloom and total darkness take it back. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness cover it up. May deep darkness take over night I was born. May it not be included among the days of the year. May it never appear in any of the months. May no children ever have been born on that night. May no shout of joy be heard in it. Now, to say that he wished he was dead is an understatement. He wished that it never existed. But he did not realize that all this happened per God's design in ways that he could not comprehend. And for about 33 chapters... Job, his three friends, they're complaining. They're wishing that this never happened. Why would God allow this to happen? They never question God in that sense in the events, but they do question the fact of why is Job going through all this? Trying to find a reason. What happened? And finally, in chapter 38, God answers. And the answer that God gives is incredibly profound. In a reason 38.4, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. What I take away from this is the fact that, look, God created us, created this universe in such precision. We had... Previous episodes talk about the precision of the cosmological constant, the strong and weak nuclear force, that the astronomical preciseness 
of these calculations that God has set forth for the laws of physics, for the design of the human being, for all life to be sustainable, is uh, absolutely astronomical. And no one questioned God's ability of doing that. But when it comes to our own lives, the events that we witness, the events that we expire, the hardships we face, immediately we start questioning God's wisdom. We start pondering, maybe he forgot. Maybe there's something that uh, he overlooked. Why is this happening to me? But we have to understand this is happening for us. God is using these events to bring us up. And in the case of Job, the devil was testing him. But if he passes his test, God is going to elevate him. In 2183 of the Quran, we read, And Job implored his Lord, Adversity has befallen me, and of all the merciful ones, you are the most merciful. We responded to him relieved his adversity and restored his family for him even twice as much that was a mercy from us and a reminder for the worshipers if we trust in god there is no hardship no adversity nothing that would phase us because we realize that this is all happening for our good even if we don't understand it we trust in god and we trust in god's system and god gives us so many examples in the quran to reinforce this for us because it's hard When we're facing hardship, when we're facing adversity, to realize that God is in complete control, that not an atom is out of our Lord's control, it's hard. We have another example of Joseph. Joseph at a young age, because he was favored by his father, his ten older brothers turned on him and left him for dead in a well. He was sold off to slavery. He was falsely accused and thrown into prison. Now who would have saw this of these events transpire and think that this is happening for Joseph's good. But God consistently in the Surah Joseph says that he established Joseph after these events. It's because he had to go through these events in order to be promoted, in order to be elevated, in order to be able to become the treasure of all of Egypt to save his family and future generations from famine. This is part of God's system. If Joseph didn't go through these hardships, he would not be able to live up to his potential. And God did these for his good. God did not do these to him to punish him. He was doing this to promote him. And the reality is, even if this is a consequence to our actions, that we step out of God's kingdom and we suffer some retribution because of this, that even then, if we turn to God wholeheartedly, God can turn these events for our good. God, who designed a system that a lump of coal can transform into a diamond, that a sand can turn into a pearl, that a caterpillar can transform into a butterfly, can transform any situation in our lives. God gives us the example of putrid water, water that is undrinkable, salty. God created a system to purify that water. In 5668, it says, Have you noted the water you drink? Did you send it down from the clouds or did we? If we will, we can make it salty. You should be thankful. In 1522, it reads, and cause water to come down from the sky for you to drink. Otherwise, you could not keep it palatable. God created a system. No matter how far off we get, if we turn wholeheartedly to God, if we trust in God, we implore God loudly, God can transform these situations into blessings, can take our bad deeds and transform them into righteous credit. This is the power of God if we trust in God, if we trust in His system. We see that, again, in the example of Joseph. Joseph slept. Despite all the blessings God has given him, when he was in prison, and he had two prison mates who had a dream, he forgot God momentarily. And we read in 1236, it says, two young men were in prison with him. One of them said, I saw in my dream that I was making wine, 
And the other said, I saw myself carrying a bread on my head with which birds were eating. Inform us of the interpretation of these dreams. We see that you are righteous. And this is Joseph's response in 1241. It says, Oh, my prison mates, one of you will be the wine butler for his Lord, while the other will be crucified, and birds will eat from his head. This settles the matter about which you inquired. He then said to the one to be saved, Remember me at your Lord. Thus the devil caused him to forget his Lord, and consequently he remained in prison a few more years. So Joseph slipped. He messed up. But God does not change the situation because of this slip in the sense that he allows him to grow, to learn from this, to become more righteous from it. And despite the fact that he had to stay in prison a few more years, it was for his own good. Imagine a bird in a uh, shell and we get impatient and we think we're going to help the bird by cracking that shell open to get him out. What's going to happen to that bird? Needless to say, it's not going to survive. There's a system, there's a time, there's a place by which at the right time, the bird is going to come out of that shell and it's going to have the strength, the capability of surviving the next stage of its life. If we're premature in that and we try to rush things, we're only going to be doing it to our own detriment and we have to trust in God. God who again created this universe, created ourselves in such absolute precision with such detail. He controls every aspect of our life. And if we trust in him wholeheartedly, he's going to make any event that takes place for our good. In Surah 32, verse 21, it says, We let them taste the smaller retribution of this world before they incur the greater retribution hereafter, that they may take a hint in reform. God is allowing us in order to slip and to learn from our consequences so we don't repeat the greater mistake of neglecting this life and it's uh, neglecting the hereafter for temporary gains. In 4147 it reads, What will God gain from punishing you if you became appreciative and believed? God is appreciative, omniscient. The other thing we learn from the story of Joseph is that there is a season for everything. You know, there's a season that's for winter, there's a season for summer, there's a season for spring. And if we try to rush these events, thinking we know better, we're only going to be disappointed, we're going to get frustrated, we're going to get impatient. And when the wine butler for the king has a dream, it reads in 1243, it says, The king said, I saw seven fat cows being devoured by seven skinny cows and seven green spikes of wheat, and the others shriveled. Oh, my elders, advise me regarding my dream if you know how to interpret the dreams. They said nonsense dreams. When it comes to the interpretation of dreams, we are not knowledgeable. The one who was saved from the prison said, Now that he finally remembered, I can tell you its interpretation, so send me to Joseph. In 1246 says, Joseph, my friend, inform us about the seven fat cows being devoured by seven skinny cows and the seven green spikes and the others shriveled. I wish to go back with some information for the people. He said, what you cultivate during the next seven years, when the time of harvest comes, leave the grains in their spikes, except for what you eat. After that, seven years of drought will come, which will consume of most of what you stored for them. After that, a year will come that brings relief for the people that they will once again press juice. God is telling us there is a season for each thing. God could make it perpetually. All the harvest comes in in abundance, but no, there's going to be times of abundance, times of scarcity. And it's this alternation that strengthens us, that makes us appreciative. Because if we have everything, if we always have all the provisions we want, we become sadly unappreciative. 
In 3140, it says, if you suffer hardship, the enemy also suffers hardship. We alternate the days of victory and defeat among the people. God thus distinguishes the true believers and blesses some of you with martyrdom. God dislikes injustice. God thus toughens those who believe and humiliates the disbelievers. God uses this process of changing, alternating victory and defeat in order to toughen us, in order to strengthen us for our own good. These things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And if we trust in God, we trust in the process, we'll realize that nothing will phase us. We see the example of Saul when he took command of the troops. He told them first that, hey, we have to go fight. And some people dropped out. Then he said, hey, when you get to the stream, don't drink except for a single sip. And some more dropped out. And then when they finally had to face Goliath and his troops, some of them said, we're too weak to uh, face Goliath. And the response of those who believed, they said, those who were conscious of meeting God said, many a small army defeated a large army by God's leave. God is with those who steadfastly persevere. The response from the hypocrites is always one of doom and gloom and bitterness. And we read in 33.12, says the hypocrites and those with doubts in their hearts, they said, what God and his messenger promised us was no more than an illusion. In 22, we read how the true believers respond to adversity and hardship. In 22, it reads, when the true believers saw the parties ready to attack, they said, this is what God and his messenger have promised us. And God and his messenger are truthful. This dangerous situation only strengthened their faith and augmented their submission. At times of hardship and stress, do we become despondent? Do we become hopeless? Do we beat ourselves up and think that God made a mistake, that God forgot, that God isn't there, isn't aware of what's going on? Or do we become strengthened during these events and we draw closer to God and we become more confident of God's promise? The choice is ours. The only difference is a change of mentality. If we can move past, why is this happening to me? To understand that this is happening for me, we can transform any situation. But if we don't, if we continue down that path of thinking that things are happening to us, that God has neglected us, that God is, is not holding up his promise, then we can fall into the camp of the hypocrites. In 29.2 says, do the people think that they will be left to say we believe without being put to the test? And then it continues in verse 10. It's talking about these fair weather friends. Is among the people there are those who say we believe in God. But as soon as they suffer any hardship because of God, they equate the people's persecution with God's retribution. But if blessings from your Lord come your way, they say we were with you. Is God not fully aware of the people's innermost thoughts? God will most certainly distinguish those who believe and he will most certainly expose the hypocrites. Part of the lesson we have to learn in this life is that God is doing these things for our good. God is doing these things for us to see, do we trust in Him? And if we do trust in Him, God is going to use these situations to promote us, to make us into better people, to make us have the right priorities. We read in 3165 about the people who lost their companions because they had to go to battle. And it reads, now that you have suffered a setback, and even though you inflicted twice as much suffering upon your enemy, you said, why did this happen to us? Say, this is a consequence of your own deeds. God is omnipotent. What afflicted you the day the two armies clashed was in accordance with God's will and to distinguish the believers and to expose those who were told, come fight in the cause of God or contribute. They said, if we know how to fight, we would join you. <laughs> they were closer to disbelief than they were to belief. They uttered with their mouths what was not in their hearts. God knows what they conceal. 
they said of their kinsmen as they stayed behind, had they obeyed us, they would have not have been killed. Say then, prevent your own death if you are truthful. You know, the difference between a believer and a hypocrite is a believer trusts in God wholeheartedly, is not going to have any fear, any grief, knows that everything that happened is for our own good, that there's a good reason for it all. But if we're constantly mulling over in grief, bitter, depressed, despondent, hopeless, then we're going to believe that God is not in control. We think that everything is happening haphazardly, that God forgot, that God is not upholding his part of the agreement. And there's a difference between being a weak believer and a hypocrite. A weak believer realizes the truth, but might have troubles with the conviction. A hypocrite, on the other hand, tries to change God's system to meet their narrative, to meet their understanding. Rather than accepting they have these shortcomings, they're trying to change God's system. And this is the tall tale sign of a hypocrite. But a believer, on the other hand, they trust in God's process. They're not concerned about the outcome or how things appear because they know that God is in complete control. There's a saying that says we can't control the winds, but we can adjust our sails. And we can't control the outcome, but we can control our input. Can you go through that experience and feel good about the decisions you made? knowing that you did your part. Because if you do and you trust in God, you know that God is going to live up to his part of the agreement. You look at the example of a farmer. The farmer knows that there's a time for sowing seeds and there's a time for harvest and is trusting in God's system. Similarly, we know that if we do good things, that if we work righteousness, that we give to charity, we attempt to be the best people we can, that we trust in God wholeheartedly, that these things ultimately are going to work out for our benefit, both in this life and in the hereafter. And there's a quote about a stonecutter. When nothing seems to help, I go back and look at the stonecutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before it. You know, what we do every day is more important than what we do every once in a while. We have to have a continuous mentality that God is in control, that these things that happen in our life are for our good. And as long as we're worshiping God alone, we trust in God wholeheartedly, we have nothing to fear. Because you look at these examples that God gave us of Job, of Mary, of Joseph, that if you saw these moments in their life, the cross section, you would think that they were doomed, that God forgot about them, that God messed up. Allah. But we know because God has given us the end, has shown us not only these cross sections, but how things transpired, that all these events happened for their good, that they were elevated from this, that they were promoted by these events. And we have to have that same mentality in our life. God did not forget. God used such precision in the creation of the universe as well as ourselves and in every single thing that happens in our life. And I'm going to read again the verse in 1061. It says, you do not get into any situation, nor do you recite any Quran, nor do you do anything without us being witnesses thereof as you do it. Not even an atom's weight is out of your Lord's control, be it in the heavens or the earth, nor is there anything smaller than an atom or larger that is not recorded in a profound record. God is doing absolutely everything. And if we trust in God, we know that we're in good hands. And we trust in God and we're going to grow from these uh, events as they transpire. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.